afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. For everyone listening at home, it is Sunday afternoon at C2E2. It has been an amazing convention. I hope everyone has been having a good time so far. So the Women of Marvel is a, uh, a panel that started at San Diego Comic-Con actually 10 years ago this summer. And from there, we created the Women of Marvel podcast five years, which will be our fifth year anniversary this year. And it's all about celebrating um, sort of women and diversity within the comics and the connecting spectrum. So film and TV, um, any jobs that you want to work with in this sort of media world. So um, I am the producer for Marvel.com, and I have some amazing panelists that are joining us today. Um, so to kick it off, hi, I'm Judy Stevens. Um, I'm a little known as a Captain Marvel cosplayer in the community, um, obviously repping, repping my Carol colors today, the Carol Corps. Um, I'm the host for the Women of Marvel podcast along with Sana Amanat, who is the co-creator of Miss Marvel Kamala Khan. Um, and I uh, also produce a whole bunch of stuff for Marvel.com, including Marvel Becoming, which is our cosplay series. We do Marvel Quick Draw, which is where we focus on comic creators and their stories. We do Make Me a Hero, where we bring fans and make them into superheroes. Um, and I work alongside Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. H&M, who does a uh, pull list in This Week in Marvel. So, to say the least, I keep myself busy. Um, we have Teeny Howard. Hello, everyone. Uh, Teeny, what are you working on right now? Right now, uh, I'm, well, as of Friday morning, before I came to the show, I was working on uh, Thanos. Uh, I'm writing an arc of Thanos called Zero Sanctuary, which is the story of why is Gamora. Um, <laughs> uh, it's about why the, the baddest dude in the galaxy would adopt a snotty child. Uh, and the reason is that they share a secret that Thanos doesn't tell in his version of the story. Mm. Thanos' version of the story is the one we've gotten so far, and it's, oh, she was going to kill the Magish, so I trained her to do it. That's not how Gamora remembers it. And so we see her, uh, right, if you're reading Guardians of the Galaxy right now, you know Gamora is kind of in a rough spot. The book starts out and she tells us, uh, I have a story for you. I have a story for you and I'm only going to tell it once because then I never want to tell it again because it's a bad story. Um, Hopefully it's a good story for you guys, but it's a really painful story for Gamora. Um, But there's also some kind of strangely heartwarming stuff in there amidst all the brutality, you know? There's a little bit of like... Rooster Cogburn and Maddie Ross, a little bit of Lone Wolf and Cub, a little bit of uh, uh, a popular uh, fantasy series where it involves a big burly guy and a little girl <laughs> that I won't talk about because we don't own it. Um, but, like, I love that. I love that dynamic of uh, a big mean dude and a snotty little girl because kids are not afraid to say what's on their mind, and everyone else is scared of, scared of Thanos. And when Gamora meets Thanos, it's, like, the, it's the worst day of her life. Like, that's, that's a line from the book. She's like, I met Thanos on the worst day of my life. Um, you know, it was the day she lost everything and found herself in a completely unfamiliar situation. And, uh, but she had to adapt. And when she's a kid, she had nothing to lose. So that's kind of scary to a guy like Thanos. So that'll be fun. We have, we have some pages to show later. Oh, we do? Yeah, let's show some pages. Yeah, we're going to show. But next we have Evie Wien. Hi! A fellow Chicagoan who is working on Ironheart, which we're very excited to have for yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, also, Marvel Team Up, which we have pages from, too. Yeah. 
Um, so Ironheart 4 comes out this Wednesday, and it's the best one so far. Um, totally unbiased, but that's the honest truth. Uh, and then, yeah, we're really excited for Marvel Team Up to drop next month. And then we have Jenny Frizen. Um, you may recognize Jenny's uh, cover artist from X-Men Red. She's uh, done tons of stuff for us, and we have some of that. Uh, do you have any exciting things coming up next? Or? Well, I, I have more stuff coming up, but I'm not really sure what I can talk about, but I'm still doing all the variant covers for Wonder Woman right now. Sweet. Like, as soon as I leave this con, I have to go home. <laughs> Deadlines. They're all due Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Ashley Witter. Woo! Um, I got to meet Ashley last year after C2E2 uh, to do a Marvel Quick Draw, um, and Ashley's story is so interesting, but she does all the Dr. Afra covers, plus some beautiful X-23 covers we've been going out lately, so. Yeah, so this is my first big panel here at C2E2, and um, I'm super happy to be here with all these lovely ladies, Um, but yeah, I do covers for Dr. Afra and X-23. I've got a bunch of personal projects. We have a booth here at the show, um, Cold War Industries, which is the company that we made. It was a group of friends. And we made a card game that features indie creators and their original characters that you can actually like play the characters in your hand against fight your friends. I have some other projects in the mainstream comic world, but I can't talk about it yet. So. Ooh, secrets. Okay, so... As part of the Women of Marvel panel, every time we do this, um, we do this at San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, and of course here at C2E2. Um, When we first started doing this panel about 10 years ago, we maybe had one female-led title. And now we have so many that I cannot fit them all on this slide anymore. And it is such a diverse group of stories from, you know, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, to Black Widow, to obviously Captain Marvel, and we have the Shuri and Jessica Jones, and we have Ironheart and Squirrel Girl, There is a comic out there for everyone from, you know, all ages. And we don't have any of the Marvel Rising covers up here, but we're doing tons of amazing things with Marvel Rising for young girls and boys out there, too. So um, this just shows that we have made leaps and bounds, and it's thanks to all you guys out there. Uh, we We wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. These ladies wouldn't be here without you guys. So... And as part of that, what we always like to do, uh, Kelly Sudakana kicked this off years ago when she used to be on the panel, was I want every person in this room, every you know, young girl, woman who wants to work in comics, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up because, yeah, come on. Because this is who your support is. This is who your community is. You know, if you, and, it, and if you don't necessarily want to write or you want to draw, but you're really good at, if you're a great lawyer, you want to be a lawyer or you want to be like me and be a producer, there is a job out there for you in this community and within all of the world. So keep on going. You know, um, Marvel has internships in both New York City and L.A. You can apply online for Disney careers. So uh, you can check that out. So uh, it's, it's all about us. It's a community and only we can support our, each other. So. Before we get into some exciting things, so I just want to say, so as a cosplayer myself, I met Teeny Howard years ago because <laughs> she does cosplay. <laughs> I did. Now I'm too busy. I stole it. I, mean, I guess I kind of did. I was Kylo Ren at Dragon Con, but I bought all that. My yeah. husband made it for me, and I bought the helmet and the lightsaber. But, so I still cosplay sometimes. But these are like old photos because one thing that's really important to me when I started working in comics was I was really scared that people would find out what a nerd I was. <laughs> Isn't that dumb? 
Um, everyone seemed really cool that worked in comics. And, like, I was always going up to them, like, sweaty in my spandex, asking them to sign my books and shaking. And, um, and that was, and I was, I love Marvel. I always have. So uh, I, it was my Spider-Woman, my Jessica Drew cosplay that I, I made. And I, like, I painted her belly button on. I was going to say, is there a belly button? Yeah, you can always see her belly button <laughs> through her spandex. And I was like, well, I don't know if fabric works that way, but it's accurate. So it's like a real belly button. Yeah. <laughs> so I painted a belly button on. Uh, and then there's me as the George Perez Scarlet Witch design that I really, really loved. And that's my friend Chris as Richter. And we were like doing the scene where she gives him his powers back. Do you guys remember that? The like Children's Crusade arc? I love that story. And then there's me uh, in, as trying to feel cool as my all-time favorite Caramux character, who's Tony Stark. <laughs> Um, I love Iron Man. I'm an unapologetic Iron Man stan. It's my problematic fave. And uh, all I wanted in the world was to like walk around with a light up. I even had like, I had a bunch of money, like fake money in my bag. So I kept like, like throwing, oh like throwing fliff on people. It was really fun. It was a really, really fun night. So, so the reason why I wanted to show these was because a, you know, I, I met Teeny before she ever worked with us that anyone can be can work at Marvel. I think that this is so important, that don't be afraid to be yourself and to love the things that you love. You know, I cosplay, and I, I've been cosplaying for like 15 years, and at the beginning, like a lot of people didn't want to share, the, share with the world that they did it, but I've never been apologetic for the love, for the passion that I have, and I want all of you guys out there to understand too, because you could be cosplaying now and maybe be working for Marvel or another company, your dream company, in 10 years, and then you too will be embarrassed <laughs> on a panel <laughs> with photos that are 10 years old. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. It's my job. I like to embarrass people. It's, a, it's my job as a producer. <laughs> it's weird, though, that we, like, like, connected through cosplay and now we, like, are sitting on this panel together. It's weird. Fandom is weird and cool. It's amazing. Fandom is amazing. So as part of that, actually, we have a really exciting announcement having to do with Tini. Um, as, as part of her new exclusive writer with Marvel, she will be writing the new Death's Head comic. Oh, what was that first part you said again? Oh, you're exclusive with Marvel. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Woo. One of us. One of us. Uh, yeah, it's really, really cool for me because not a lot of people get this opportunity and not a lot of women get this opportunity. And the women who have gotten this opportunity before me um, are really special to me. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here. Sorry. Oh, my God, I cry at everything. I cry at commercials, guys. It's bad. Um, I once cried at a season finale of The Real World. Like, I can't trust her. <laughs> I can't be trusted with emotions, which is why I write robots. Um, yeah, uh, I, got, uh, I got to do this Death Head book um, with, uh, with Keizama, who's an amazing artist. If you're a Transformers fan, you might know her. Um, she draws for Transformers. She's drawn for Transformers in the past. She's, she draws a good, a good bot. That girl can draw a bot. And uh, Nick Roche, who's like a super Death Head stan, is doing our covers, and they're so fun. And yeah, do you, do you want to like read the thing about that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, rising stars Teeny Howard and Keizama take on Marvel's UK's hottest character, Death's Head, in a new miniseries. When intergalactic mech merc Death Head botches a job and wakes up half-assembled at a punk show, he goes on a rampage. He's not the only one feeling broken down and obsolete as former Young Avengers Wiccan and Hulkling are on the scene. I am also really excited for that. Uh, with a plan of their own, there's no way the best robot Bonnie Hunter, oops, I mean freelance, 
Freelance peacekeeping agent. He's a robot man. Okay, cool. Oh, there we go. Freelance peacekeeping oh, agent yes. in this universe is getting taken down. This is super exclusive. We have two pages from issue number one. This comes out in July. You want to, can you tease a little bit more than my exciting Wiccan and Hulkling announcement that I just Yeah, had? yeah. Okay, so um, the, the book starts out when, uh, yeah, when, when Death's Head kind of realizes he's not as good as doing his, his job anymore as he thought he was. Um, he kind of gets himself in a place where he's trying to complete jobs and he's basically told uh, all the newer models do it better than you. Mm. Um, you know, you're Wally and everyone else is Eve. Um, you're, you're old, you're, you're beat up, man, you're passe. And that's, if you're a Death's Head fan, you know that this is like a recurring problem in Death's Head life is like new versions of Death's Head and life. <laughs> new versions of him. Um, and so I, I kind of was thinking about, you know, who... Who would be a good character to pair with Death's Head? And two of my favorite characters in all of Marvel, some of my favorite characters are the Young Avengers, but I particularly love Wiccan and Hulkling. They're really special to me. And I thought, uh, who else is dealing with feelings of obsolescence and uh, maybe getting too old, you know? There's a kind of a running gag in the book where they're like, can we be, we can't be Young Avengers anymore. There are people younger than us who are actual Avengers right now. <laughs> Um, and they, you know, they've, they've been Avengers and then they're not now and they don't know what they are. And, uh, Wiccan has a lot of anxiety about that. And his anxiety leads him to Death's Head, who is also having some anxiety about obsolescence. Um, so it's kind of a story for, uh, for all of us about, you know, video killed the radio star. (laughs) And uh, how, if we're, you know, how we love the radio star anyway, and uh, how we can come to terms with ourselves uh, aging and changing. And um, it's about that scary moment when the last thing ends and before the next thing's begun. Um, oh, also, they kill like a thousand robots. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's heart and uh, also spells and robots. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll tease that, you know, we're going to see a lot of new models of, of a lot of different, a lot of different people. Mm. Um, and that thankfully Wiccan and Hulkling might be disasters, but they have some good friends who aren't. And uh, hopefully they'll get some help. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, we also have, uh, we mentioned the Thanos book. Also you are writing Age of Conan, Queen of the Black Coast, which uh, issue two comes out on April 12th. Um, and then Thanos number one comes out April 24th. Yes. Um, we actually have some pages from um, Age of Conan. Yeah, uh, I really recommend uh, Age of Conan Belit if you like a good adventure story. You don't have to be a Conan, uh, you don't have to be a Conan wonk. Um, I, I, the, the Conan, Belit is in, uh, she has a story in the Robert E. Howard stories about how uh, she's really like the only woman to really ever win Conan's heart. She's this insane pirate queen who has a crew of people who follow her with absolute devotion. And, and, you know, if you read the story that she loves Conan and they, they fall in love and then she dies for him and it's very sad and passionate, but, uh, you know, how did she get there? And to me, it was more, I was like, do I want to write a story about a bad pirate queen just killing stuff for five issues? I was like, sounds fun, but I think it's a lot more fun if we, know where she's going and we start we start and we see her and she's a little girl smiling on the docks that to me is a more interesting story because that could be any of us um and I joked I was like it's my origin story (laughs) I turned into an insane pirate queen 
Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, like it's it's a story for uh, anyone likes a good adventure story. Kate Niemczyk is incredible. She did Mockingbird. I love her art so much. And she she goes from, like, if you read Belly Eat Number One, she goes from, like, the cute little girl you see on the docks to, like, that screaming. <laughs> that, that, that's, like, that, that is a child <laughs> screaming at people. Um, but we see her age. She grows up. Um, and we, we get to watch the downward spiral. And that's fun. And then we have some pages from Thanos that we talked about. Yeah, uh, the really exciting thing about these pages to me uh, is that if you look at that top left, you might see a couple people you recognize, uh, like uh, Proxima, um, who's a character I love. I love the Black Order. And so you might, you, I, I, the teaser for the book is that uh, in, among, and I talked about it a lot already, you get it. But uh, the, the, the little teaser in this page is that, um, you know, I, I've joked that we see some of the Black Order back when they were assistant managers, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of fun. Uh, Ebony Maw is one of my favorite characters to write, mm-hmm. um, especially young Ebony Maw because he's just as powerful, but he's not good at it yet. He's like super manipulative, but he's like not, he doesn't always know which strings to pull. Um, so yeah, you see a lot of Thanos and Gamora, but if you're a fan of the Black Order uh, and, and you know other like cosmic characters, you'll see some of the Magus, uh, you'll see some other people in there. It's a fun book. Yeah, and interiors are, are by Ariel Olivetti. Olivetti. He's incredible. And yeah. Jeff Deckel is doing those amazing covers you saw, and he's here, Jeff is. Um, you can look at more of his incredible art. Yeah, so this is uh, on sale. Thanos number one is on sale April 24th. And then uh, we've got some epic covers uh, by Eve, over here by Eve. So yeah. uh, we just we just talked about Ironheart number four. Yeah, you four. can clap. I'm excited. Yeah. People are like, Yay! Uh, look, at, look at that cover Amy did, man. That is wild. Amy, I love her art she so much. She has I'm magical so happy powers. She's back to <laughs> making stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, like, I love the use of negative space. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Do you want me to Yeah. Talk about um, actually, we have, uh, we've got, we got some interiors, if you want to talk a little bit about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Iron. so that's the cover for Ironheart 4. Um, which is a, a metaphorical uh, kind of re falling apart a little bit, right? Um, and if you've been with us for the first three issues, and by the way, Ironheart 4 comes out this week, and the first three are still widely available, so it is not, this is like, you can still get in on this book. Sorry, I'm going to spoil things if you haven't been. Um, but um, Riri's been struggling with a villain who is revealed in number three to be Midnight's Fire, um, which is a, a deep cut for the 90s uh, Marvel's, Marvel fans. Um, and he's a really cool villain that I wanted to kind of bring back and and think about the ways that he psychologically interacts with Riri and some of her vulnerabilities. Um, And so uh, the first page is her doing this kind of ninja training sequence to try to prepare for facing um, him in battle because she's a, Riri's a bad, um, she's a bad melee fighter. She's like, she always, her power is blasting people from far away. And so in any fight situation, she wants to get far away and like shoot people. That's kind of, that's what she does. And so um, she has this confrontation with Midnight's Fire um, in her mother's garage, uh, which is not a good place to fight a villain for a variety of reasons. Um, So this was a really fun uh, fight for me to choreograph. And um, Luciano Vecchio, who, who does the interiors on this one, is like just such a joy to work with with and so incredible um and then matt Miller does our colors which i think are pretty sick as well 
Yeah, that the pink detailing on on Arnhardt's suit, on Riri's suit, I love it so much. Yeah, I love her suit, um, and I love that um, it it puts you know it taps her into the Tony Stark legacy and the fact that Tony Stark was her mentor. But it's not like an, it's not an Iron Man suit; it's an Ironheart suit, which is a different uh, different and special thing. Yeah, so I love this fight, and I love Luciano's character design on, on Midnight's Fire, who's who's a really interesting uh, character, whose backstory we're going to get into a little bit more in Ironheart Four. We also have some pages from Marvel Team Up number Yo, one, yeah. which is, you are writing Spider-Man and Kamala Khan. <laughs> it's, you know, people have asked me in interviews, like, who, you know, as a newer Marvel writer, who would be on kind of your dream checklist? And um, I am rapidly, like, losing my bucket list because um, Kamala and um, Pete, of course, are, like, high. And also, um, Miles Morales is making an appearance in Ironheart 6, so I... Um, it's okay for me to say that because the cover's already come out. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, check out the cover. The cover's uh, by Stefano Caselli, and it's also really dope. It's a really cool, like, Miles Riri team up. Um, the thing about that, and then I'll get back to this, but um, if you read Champions, you know that Miles and Riri actually don't get along super well. And so uh, people want them to team up because they're both these, like, cool black teen superheroes, um, but they, you know... Riri has zero to no social skills, um, and Miles doesn't have a lot of patience for that, and so it's going to be, <laughs> Ironheart 6 is going to put them in a, an interesting situation where they have to kind of work together, but Marvel Team Up, I'm super, super excited about this. It drops um, this April, and of course, it's a reinvigoration of a series that, that Marvel used to do, um, pairing Spider-Man with other iconic characters, and so um, I got to write this three-issue arc, which is uh, Miss Marvel and Peter Parker. And um, knowing that you're going to wrap something in three issues, for me, with, with two such incredible characters that are really fun, uh, for me is permission to just do something ridiculous. And so this story is ridiculous. Um, and the thing that it begins, the first ridiculous aspect of it is that I convinced the editors to let me do um, a flipping cover. And so issue one is the same story told two times, once from Pete's perspective and once from Kamala's perspective. Oh. And they meet in the middle. I know, right? Whoa. Whoa. Uh, and uh, so some variants of the book will have two covers. So you can begin. Like I, early flip it? Yeah, where you can ah. begin and flip it. I'm just like, whatever. I just, because why not? Because I can. Like, why not? Um, <laughs> and, you know, something I think is really, that's really cool about these characters is that, like, you know, Peter has gone on to um, have an ascent and a, and a descent in his life. Um, and it's been a while since he was the awkward teen who kind of has to balance life and family and school and being a superhero. And that's where Kamala is in, in this stage in her life right now and so you know what does he have to bring to her life as a mentor but also what are the things that she can uh, learn from him and in the bottom left hand corner there's a, a new character um, her name is Yesenia Rosario and she's a, a scientist um, and then obviously you can see the jackal is here and there's some some really uh, baller fights um, that I choreographed and that were drawn by um, Joy Vasquez, who's amazing and who's also here at Table W8. But yeah, I'm super psyched about this extremely ridiculous book. Yeah, go pick it up April 3rd. So changing gears a little bit, um, I always like to mix our panel oh, up to have a mix of writers and artists because every way, every way a creator works within publishing is really different. And Jenny, your covers are so beautiful like that Jean Grey cover is just why don't you talk a little bit about like how you know obviously you probably get like some words on a paper that says 
Jean Grey on cover. What are the processes? <laughs> well, <laughs> what so are the processes of you when, making a cover? For these covers specifically, when they pitched me on the book, I didn't have a lot of time, and they just said they'll each one will be one single character portrait, and I was like, yeah, I can do that until the very last one when I send in a sketch for one single character portrait, and they're like, let's do everybody, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> wasn't part of the deal. Um, but yeah, so for each of these, I just wanted to do like them doing their thing, right? So just like, and I always say, I always say what I want to draw is women feeling their feelings. Mm. And that really does sort of apply to men too. I want to draw men feeling their feelings. Um, but so, like that's a big part of X-Men, I think. And each of those characters and like their personalities and what made them who they are. And I just want to show them doing their thing and feeling their feelings. Whether it's sad or strong or happy or... Anything. I was just going to say my favorite thing about that. I loved X-Men Red, by the way, and if you haven't read it, you should. Uh, my favorite thing about that cover is that Honey Badger is visibly sulking. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like such like the here. grumpy teenager. She's like, I want to go play video games. Like, you're, she's clearly feeling her feelings. You're so successful in your work. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> Why do I have to stand here with this photo? <laughs> um, we also have a couple more. Um, first one's Phoenix Resurrection. It's a Return of Jean Grey number one variant. And then um, that's X-Men Red number seven. And then this Mystique piece. I am always a Mystique fan. That's and actually, uh, for the Sideshow, it was like an art print. I guess it's not technically for Marvel Comics, but it but is. But it is. Uh, you, you said to me, and I was like, I want to just show it, because it's beautiful. <laughs> but I mean, like, the use of colors, I feel like, is so, especially for, a, you know, we talk about how when you go to a comic book store, you're looking online, the cover is the thing that makes you pick up the piece, and having those, these bright colors or interesting shapes or the use of negative space is so important to, like, get people, to, it's dynamic, so. Especially with a character who can become the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Ashley. We have, um, we have the Star... Uh, so you've been working on all the Star Wars Dr. Afra covers, um, which, like, talking about, you know, we talk about colors, but we all talk about lighting. Your use of lighting in both of these, like, you sent me to them, like, the depth perception on, um, on the cover on the right, which is um, number 31, is just so interesting because the things in the front are blurred out, but then you get to her, and she's like... like We've worked, we worked together, so we did a quick draw with Ashley, and so you mix traditional with digital, but like, how's the process that you break down these covers? Um, well, it starts with working with the team that work on Dr. Afra. Um, I'm always in contact with editors and writers, and they'll describe like a scene to me, or they want something specific, and we get a couple ideas going. Um, and sometimes they'll just give me a script, like, we don't have time to come up with an idea, let's work on it together, and it's always fun. Um, and then I'll just do a couple of thumbnails, and I usually plan out the lighting beforehand because that's what makes the cover striking, is that you have your figures and then you want to light, light them so that it draws people in. Yeah, we have some of the X-23 covers too. Um, the one on the left is from number 12, which is um, on sale May 29th, and then um, seven, issue seven is in the middle and then issue eight. Um, and these are just like talking again about lighting and color and dynamic. Like these are things that you would walk by on a store and you'd be like, oh, cool. What's that? I want to pick it up. <laughs> well, and that's, that's my job with doing covers is that you want people to stop and look at something and get curious and want to look inside the book. And 
we talked. I talked a little bit about Marvel Rising earlier. Um, so Marvel Rising Heart of Iron uh, is our new uh, feature short. It's debuting on Marvel HQ on Wednesday, April 3rd. Um, but also, uh, if you guys are going to be at WonderCon next weekend, um, we're actually going to be doing a premiere there. Um, and it features uh, Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart, is joining the cast. Um, so if you guys haven't actually checked it out, you can check it out on um, the previous shorts, which fe- feature Ghost Spider. And we also have, uh, obviously, Captain Marvel. Marvel, we've got America Chavez, we have Squirrel Girl, Kamala Khan. Um, it, it's so good. It's good for all ages. Um, they have some amazing merch for, you know, young girls and boys out there. It's really great. You can check it all out. Um, Marvel HQ is our YouTube channel. You just go to Marvel HQ uh, and you can check all this stuff out. But um, stay tuned for April 3rd. Um, and then, so... Women of Marvel. So before we get into the, uh, I want to talk a little bit about like how community matters. So the Women of Marvel podcast, every year we, f- we focus on a theme. So in 2018, it was about allies and how allies within our office, our industry, our fandom, our community support us when we may be feeling low, when we're not sure what the next step is, if we want to continue this career. It's all about, you know, uh, how we have allies and then how the ne- we ally the next community. So this year, we wanted to keep on moving on that and focus on community because this year's all about Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps and yeah, yes, woo, Carol Corps. Uh, you know, in 2012, when Kelly Sue DeConnick and Steve Wacker and that team got together with Jamie McKelvey and, and brought Carol Danvers into life as Captain Marvel, it changed the way that it basically more or less helped us create this podcast, um, but it changed the way that that we uh, are able to access fans and through Tumblr and Kelly Sue and the Carol Corps and all that stuff. So we really wanted to focus on that, thinking about Captain Marvel and sort of uh, also it's, we are celebrating our 80th anniversary for Marvel, uh, Marvel Comics. Um, Marvel Comics number one was published in 1939, which is pretty phenomenal. So we've been focusing a little bit about that on the podcast, talking about the decades and stuff like that. So what I wanted to focus the discussion on today is about how people break into the industry. You know, everyone has their, uh, their, you know, their, their Marvel origin story. Um, but the new age, uh, the generation of panelists that are sitting up here, including myself, you know, back in the day, the way that you got into comics was you went to a con and you showed your portfolio to a comic shop and then eventually, or to someone at a comic company, and then eventually you got work. Nowadays, through the age of social media and, you know, being able to put your stuff up on DeviantArt and Tumblr and your social media and your own personal web pages or Instagram, it's changed the way of access. So what I want to talk about, I want to ask each one of you to do like a, uh, a little bit of your breaking in story, but also sort of how you know, social media or community or whatever has helped support you either get into Marvel or get a job here. So do you want to kick it off, Teeny? Sure. Um, so I uh, broke into comics in 2013, um, uh, a company called Top Cow, you might be familiar with, did like Witchblade and stuff. Um, I uh, submitted a script to one of their contests and uh, what was really cool of them was they, they had done this contest for years where it was like a talent hunt where they basically give you a prompt and you can write a script and that like doesn't happen a lot in comics. It was a really cool opportunity for me. Um, and I, I, they had said specifically that year, which was what gave me the confidence to enter was that they said that they were saving one of their winner spots. Uh, one writer and one artist would be, a, they, they were saving those spots for women because they had never given any of the spots to women before. So that kind of gave me the confidence to step up and try and I won. Um, and I got to work with an amazing female artist who I'm still friends with named Eileen Oresion. 
And uh, it was it was cool. And, and from that moment, you know, from a company of like a lot of guys saying that we want to make room for a female creator here with us, uh, that was my first big break. And I got to make a comic with them. And so I got to have a comic with my name on it that was a real thing. And I could go around to people and say, hey, I, I, I can prove that I did this and I'd like to do more for you. Um, and I've just been doing that since. Um, and it's interesting, like, you know, a big thing of social media now is like, we, a lot of us that were big readers were really, like, I was a big reader growing up. I'm a big reader now. And a lot of us are like, kind of like isolated because we're like, a lot of us are kind of anxious. Some of us are readers because we like, we sometimes prefer to be in our head instead of out in the world. Um, but you guys are great. I'm loving this. Um, <laughs> so uh, for, I think one of the great things about the internet is we have like Goodreads and like Twitter and like we have all these ways where we can say like, I read this book and I loved it and we can share with people. And it's like so surprising and cool. Like, you know, uh, when someone's like, oh, you know, I, I, um, like, I, I reached out to you. Like, I, one of the cool things was, like, I just kept making books because I wanted to, uh, I wanted, that was what I wanted to do. And, like, the first few times Marvel reached out to me to work on projects, every editor said they reached out to me because they liked a different thing of mine. Mm. Like, one was like, oh, I really liked this book, so I want you to do this. One was like, really like, like, if you've read my book, Euthanauts, it's all about space and death. And so they were like, we, we loved this, right, Thanos? And I was like, really? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, like, I, I write a lot of historical fiction, so I got a chance to write the 1944, or excuse me, 1945 Captain America and Bucky story. Um, so uh, the thing with social media is that, like, for those of us that are, are kind of readers or creatives or prefer to just, like, sit in our rooms and make stuff and read stuff, we have a really cool way to connect. And so there's, like, this little, like, club of introverts <laughs> around, like, on, uh, like, Twitter is really active if you're a comics fan, um, or, you know, people reach out on Instagram or they build their own communities on forums or Facebook groups or uh, whatever. And through that, you know, just, I, like, when I, like, I just follow artists when I see beautiful art. And that's, you know, that's, I can, if I get a chance, if I'm asking, hey, who do you want on covers for this project? Or who do you want to work with? It's like, it's really cool to just like, mm -hmm. be, know that I can do for someone what they did for me. Because I wouldn't be here if like, I mean, I, I, Kelly Sue, I remember sending me an email once. I got a rejection for something and I, uh, I fell asleep and took a depression nap about it. Uh, it wasn't a Marvel thing. It was like way back in the day. And uh, I had sent Kelly Sue an email, like just being like, hey, I am a Valkyrie and I really like you and I think you're great. And we met once or whatever. And you're a big inspiration to me. And I remember I woke up uh, from my nap grumpy about my rejection. And she just happened to finally email, well, not finally, it was like not very long ago, but she happened to email me back. Uh, and it was like one of those moments where I was like, that's so cool. Um, and that's why I got a little weepy earlier is because like I get to start doing for people what they did for me. Um, that's the best thing in the world. Well, I mean, Eve, you were sort of very well known before you came to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, it. what was sort of that, that like when you were approached to write for Marvel, like what was that process? How all that? Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's become a, a little bit of, uh, there's some lore around, <laughs> around what happened. So a fan, so when, when it was announced that, um, that Brian Michael Bendis was, was going to be stepping away from Marvel Landia, um, and people started buzzing, okay, what's going to happen to this character? What's going to happen to this character? Um, a fan on Twitter responded to their favorite podcast, their favorite comics podcast. And they're like, e-viewing should write 
write Riri Williams. And when the character design for Riri first dropped, there had been a, a running joke on the internet that, um, that the character was based on me, which is not actually true. But at the time, I had like a very intense uh, side part shaved head situation, um, such that one of my friends who doesn't read comics actually just thought it was an illustration of me. He's like, someone made this great drawing of you. <laughs> like, here's your hoodie and like, here's your gym shoes, and, right? Um, and I was like, no, that's not me. Um, and so so there was this, this fan petition for me to write the character and uh, the thing about that was like, um, so I, I'm the fifth black woman in Marvel history to write um, for the company. Which like, you can clap, but it's also not, not great, right? Um, and so when people ask me like, I grew up reading comics, I grew up thinking, you know, I always thought I would like self-publish an indie comic or something like that. And when people ask me like, did you dream of doing this? To me, that was about as realistic as dreaming that I was gonna join NASA, right? Like I really didn't, I didn't see anybody who looked like me doing this type of work. And it's really sad to admit now, but I was like, oh, like my boyfriend that's really good at drawing, like he'll probably go work for Marvel someday. Or like my friend that's really good at writing, he'll probably go work for, for Marvel someday. But I never saw that for myself. Um, and that's that's a really sad thing to admit, but I think it's actually really important to be honest about that. And that's partially why seeing yourself, seeing people that look like you really matter. So so this fan petition um, came up for me to, to write Ironheart, and I was like, this would be the most amazing thing ever, and it's never going to happen. Um, and behind the scenes, two people that really advocated, well, three people, so Sana really advocated for me. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates had read um, my first book, Electric Arches. Um, yeah, that was, and uh, Greg Pak also um, didn't even know about the petition and messaged me and was like, I read your book and I really think you should write comics. And Greg is somebody that I admire so much and had previously been a screenwriter. And so he saw like the thing that you're doing here and the way that your brain works would work really well for this thing. Um, so so Ta-Nehisi uh, really mentored me and helped me a lot. And there are a lot of things that happened after that. Like I still had to pitch. I still had to get a lot of feedback on my pitches. I still had to write some early scripts and get feedback on those before, you know, so I had to do kind of all the normal writer things that you do. Um, but, uh, I, and the first thing I did was just meet with the editorial staff and sit down and say like, this is what I think makes a good story. This is what I think makes good comics. These are the kinds of questions I have about characters. This is my narrative approach that I use regardless of whether I'm writing comics or poetry or nonfiction or I've written a play, right? Like, and so, um, yeah, and I think the thing that was was really important to me was that um, so many people who were old veteran readers and also people who've never read a comic book before in their life um, come up to me all the time and they're like, I feel welcome in this space because of you. People who said I, I used to read and I stopped because I didn't like the way women were represented or you know I just wanted different things out of the stories, you've, you've brought me back home. Um, and so that means a lot to me just as much as the people that are like, I've never read a comic book before in my life. Um, and so really for me, Part of this is just trying to, um, as you said, um, as Tini said, make space for creative people, but to see themselves in, in us, but also for readers and for people looking, looking to a story to see those essential questions of what it means to be human, which is really what I think, the irony of superhero stories is, I think people go to them because they want to reflect on what it means to, to be human, to be flawed, um, to have fears, to have anxieties, to try to overcome those anxieties, to do something good for the world. Um, so I just, I see my job as trying to write stories that make people feel that and make people cry. Yeah.
So, Jenny, uh, you went to the Kubert School, right? Yeah, I didn't graduate, but I went for two years there. So, <laughs> I feel like I have to say that. I didn't graduate, guys. So, the, the Kubert School out. is actually an interesting, uh, it's one of the few places that you can actually go to, like, learn how to draw comics. But, like, what made you first want to draw comics? Um, well, so, I actually went to college before I went to the Kubert School. I have an absurd amount of education for a job that you can teach yourself to do. <laughs> but, um, so, when I went to undergrad, I studied illustration, um, and I kind of focused more towards, like, editorial illustration, but I really wanted to do book covers, and so I kind of ended up going in that direction for my portfolio when I graduated, and then when I graduated, I moved back to my hometown, and there's, like, not, there's not a lot of jobs in illustration anyway, especially for somebody with no experience, um, and just sort of couldn't figure out what, what I could do with that, and so I sat down, and I said, well, what... What I really want to do is I want to, do, I want to draw book covers, but the covers that I really love, or the books that I really love, are comics. And that was like a total pipe dream. I was like, there's, there's no way. But, <laughs> yeah. but the only thing that I knew was that there were ads for the Kubert School. At the time, there's, there was like, I think there was maybe um, a school in Minnesota that like, uh, like a specialization for a major in Minnesota in, at a college in Minnesota. But other than that, the Kubert School was the only place that taught like how to draw comics. And so I told my parents, I was like, I want to go back to school. <laughs> and they're like, great, <laughs> awesome, you're going to be an artist. So you'll need that. <laughs> you'll need all that education. Um, but so I went there, and the Kubert School really focuses on sequential art. And I got there, and I was like, oh, I hate this. This isn't for me at all. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to quit. I think I know now what I need to learn. And I went and I taught myself what I, like, worked on my style, worked on um, sort of, like, what I wanted to draw. And I built up a portfolio and went out. I literally, I'm, I was the one that went to San Diego with my portfolio and, like, showed it around. And that is how I ended up breaking into the industry, is, like, meeting editors and leaving behind sample packs and trying to constantly update with new art, stuff like that. Yeah, I think this, the, I mean, the idea of breaking into comics is, you know, we used to do this panel called Breaking into Comics the Marvel Way, and every time CB kicked it off, he talked about how once you break in, th that way is closed. It's like breaking out of jail. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. Everyone breaks in their own way, you know, hearing the different stories of how either through allies or mentors or, um, you know, teaching yourself, because sometimes going to school is how you learn what you don't want to do for a living. Yeah. Yes. I was also the same I thing, always so. say I learned what I wasn't learning than I knew I needed to know at the Cuber School. Like, because they were focusing on a different thing. And I was like, this, okay, this is what I wish I was doing for this project. This is what I wish I was doing for this one. And Yeah. yeah. And for Ashley, I mean, you were doing sort of creator-owned stuff. You were like driving down, you were going to cons, you were doing all this stuff, and it was through a retailer variant, right, that requested you for Dr. Afra. Mm -hmm. that was your breaking in. I mean, like, what, was, what made you want to draw comics and covers and be part of this world? So I always wanted to tell stories. Um, I was really into animation as a kid, and I wanted to do animated features. I actually went to school to learn animation, got a degree in video game design, which was kind of, whatever. <laughs> um, but I still wanted to venture into comics. I also had an older brother who was into X-Men comics, and that kind of influenced me. So I started doing my own webcomic, and just to get it out there, just to 
I was like, for some reason, I thought it, nobody was going to see it on the internet, and this is before social media, and it blew up. I had a webcomic that I did about 10 years ago called Scorch, and it was like overnight I had an audience, and then I had, I had to keep updating it, and then it became this interaction. And then over time, like I kept doing that, and uh, I got picked up by a publisher because they saw my work that I'd been putting up there for years. Um, I did a graphic novel adaptation of Interview with a Vampire. My and favorite book of all, do you have that at your table? No, I don't, oh it's God. sold out. I have original artwork though. Okay. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> S11 is the table, but um, so I met my boyfriend, Ash, and he decided we were gonna go to C2E2 to meet Anne Rice. And she had a huge line, I didn't get to meet her, but <laughs> um, we were walking around, we saw Artist Alley, and then he was like, we could totally do a table and show your artwork. I, and we had a table, that was my first con that I did, it was right here, um, six years ago. That's crazy. Um, I only, <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> I only had five art prints, and one of the prints was an idea for a comic that Ash and I wanted to do together called Scorriers. And that was what got me started into at least the indie scene. What happened with the Marvel stuff is that I was doing a lot of commissions. I was meeting a lot of people who were fans of these books and then doing artwork for them. And this was just me growing the same audience, just getting more and more people which were fans, also friends. And so um, I was creating this demand by doing all this work and I started making friends with re or retailers and then they wanted to do um, variant covers. So I got like this, my first variant cover with Marvel was Dr. Aphra. And I did a couple more variants, but I was like sticking with the Star Wars thing. And I actually, one of the editors approached me and they're like, we really like what you did with the Dr. Aphra cover. Do you want to start doing them? And I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome. And um, I'm actually, I started on issue 14 and now I'm all the way up to 35. Wow. So, awesome. and then I got to do X-23, and that's, that's when I did the Marvel Quick Draw. And so, you know, six years now, back at C2E2, doing a panel with the women of Marvel. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I got it. I mean, every year we do this, every single, you know, panelist that we have, every guest that we have on the Women of Marvel is each, each person's story is unique and different. But what it all really shows is that, you know, anyone can do this. And it's through the community and the allies and the mentors that, you know, uh, support us that we're here where we are now. I wouldn't be here without the different people at Marvel that supported me for the 13 years that I've worked at Marvel. Such great stories. I'm so happy. Okay. Can I add one thing to that? Yeah. I think like sometimes... Um, when you're trying to break into an industry, especially as a creative person, people ask things like, well, well, what do they want to see? Like, and people want to adapt their own creative work to match what they imagine a person in power will find, um, like palatable or good or desirable. And I think the, the, like what all these stories reflect, and I think the artists that I most admire who've had the most amazing careers is you have to make the work that you think is good and that you think matters and that you think is important. And you have to articulate your style and your vision. And if, if it's good and if it's a good fit for somebody, they're going to come along in some weird, unexpected, you know, indirect way, or they won't. And that's not the right thing for you. Right. But I think that it's so much more important to tell the stories that you want to tell. Um, and the folks that have a good eye for it are going to find it and see it rather than worrying about trying to do what other people want you to do, because that that's whack. Like then you have a job doing something that um, wasn't your vision in the beginning. So 
Yeah, do something you love. And, you know, superhero comics isn't for everyone. I mean, obviously, you know, we all love it, but, like, there are tons of stuff out there that are, you know, or, you know, eventually there might be a creator that we, a character that we have that maybe doesn't necessarily have powers. So find something that you love because, like, at the end of your life, you want to look back and be like, I did something that I was passionate about, that I loved, that I can be like, look, I did that. And that's really cool. Um, and I feel all four of you ladies are doing that right now, and you're inspiring everyone out there, so thank you. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay, um, before we open up for Q&A, um, for those listening at home, um, all the art we just shown will be on marvel.com. Um, just check out uh, uh, the new story that we'll probably be tweeting about, but cool. Okay, so uh, I think we have a, a little under 10 minutes for Q&A. Uh, there's a microphone right there. We're going to try and get through as many as we possibly can. Yes. Young, someone in a costume, yes. Okay. Hello, Hi. what's your name? I'm Brian. Um, and I'm an aspiring writer, uh, you know, kind of struggling and everything. I, for artists, you know, it seems like it's easier, I don't say easy, but, you know, easier a little bit because you can take a portfolio and show someone where a writer can't really, here's my text, read it now. Right. But, so don't my do question that. is for the writers, <laughs> how do you um, recommend or what are your tips, I guess, for breaking in as writers? Um, I know you have your unique... Um, yeah. experiences. And by the way, I, I really appreciate you all sharing your, your stories because it's very inspirational, even, you know, I'm not female, but um, it's still very inspirational, you know, how you talk about anybody can break in and stuff. So thank um, you. For- one thing I really encourage creators to do is there are a lot of amazing anthologies right now. Crowdfunding has made, has really changed the face of comics because people can share their stories and people who might feel like they don't have a voice in some places can, can make a really pure vision of their their voice and reach people, you know, with that. So there are a lot of really cool anthologies that when I was, um, I've done a lot of that, you know, when I was breaking in and and I was just, a lot of them are like, okay, you you pitch your idea and then your artist, you know, you find find an artist and they, you know, show their sequentials, they show their portfolio, you pitch your idea, an editor, you know, reads it and chooses it and they usually, you know, have you write a short little five to ten page story and they usually pay you a little bit. Um, it's a really good opportunity to like go around, just walk around Artist Alley and look for artists who are just wanting to work with people too because they're out there. And just uh, a really good thing, like I don't suggest walking up to someone and just being like, draw my book. But if you go up to someone and you like their art, like go up to them, like talk to them, make a friend, buy a print, uh, buy a book. Um, and if, you know, and, and look over their stuff and just be like, this is great. You know, I'm a, I'm a writer. I like to meet other creatives. Um, but yeah, look, look, you're doing, you're a really good place at a con, and I also, anthologies are so good. There's even, there used to be even like a Tumblr that was like comic anthology submissions or something, and it was like an aggregate of like everyone that was, but if you, if you, if you, um, if you, you know, are, are active online at all, like there's a company called Iron Circus that kind of started that model. Based here of, in Chicago. Based here in Chicago, uh, run by Spike Trotman, who is one of the most brilliant people in the entire world. I'm so intimidated by her. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's so many anthologies that have kind of sprung from her model that are really, really, really good opportunities for new creators. So I really encourage that. 
Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is I think building relationships is, is really paramount. And, you know, building your audience, now there are so many ways to do that. I know Patreon is a great option for some people, um, even self-publishing. Um, and I, I have a newsletter. I think newsletter, some people think newsletters are kind of old-fashioned, but they're a really great way of rewarding, whether it's through Patreon or free, it's a really great way of like building your hardcore audience. There's a very small percentage of people in the world that um, if I were to write like a manual for a blender, they would buy it and read it because they support me. It's a, and there's not a lot of them, but they're out there and like building, rewarding those types of people um, by building relationships with them. And it also helps other writers get to notice you. So um, Greg and I liked, I, you know, talked on Twitter and then he was like, oh, this person has a book that people seem to like. Maybe I should go look at it. And then he ended up putting in his newsletter as like a recommended read um, but that that was a book of poetry and some short stories right and so but that was about like just putting out the work that you that you believe in um, and knowing that somebody is going to read it and you never know like I recently recommended another friend of mine who's a who's a TV writer um, where I recommended her to Marvel and they've had good conversations and maybe something will come of that um, but like that was a long slow burn which is really frustrating when you're trying to eat and when you like want the next thing to happen, but you just got to keep putting this stuff out there. Thank you. Thanks. Come get your pen. Hi. Oh, hello. Hi. Um, this one is for Teeny. What was your favorite comic book you have ever done? That I've ever done? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the most special thing I've ever written was I wrote a Captain America annual this year. And it was a story about Captain America and Bucky in uh, 1945 during World War II. And uh, they come upon some people who really need their help. And uh, they do that because it's the right thing to do. And it was really special to me because I love history and I love Captain America. Um, he's my husband's favorite character. So it was really special. And I got to put... Um, I have, a, there's a character in that that I got to put, I gave her my great-grandmother's last name because the character and my grandmother were, you know, they shared ethnicity and I, I wanted to put a little bit of my family's history in there. So it felt fun to like, it was the first time I ever got to write for Marvel. So I kind of had that feeling that you've talked about of like, you want to swing for the fences because you don't know if they'll ever let you do something like this again. And so I really did. And uh, I think what makes it really special is that my husband read the issue and he, he loves my work, but he doesn't, you know, he, he, he reads a lot of it, and so he's, he says nice things about it generally, but I remember what he said about my Captain America story was he said, that's the best cap I've read since Brubaker. Aww. And I was like, I can quit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that question. That was yeah. really good to answer. You're welcome. Come get a pen. Okay, we've got two minutes left. Let's try and do as many as we can. Hi, my name's Laura. Um, my question's for Eve. So I really am loving your Ironheart run so far, and I can't wait for the team up. It's fantastic. I'm just, you mentioned a bucket list, and now I'm so curious as to who is on that bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for that question, and thank you so much for reading. Um, so there's one character that I'm not going to say because I get to do a one-pager thing as part of the Marvel 80th thing, and I feel like I'm already saying too much. There's a character that I get to do a thing with a thing with an artist who is also on my bucket list, and, it's, and I can't say what it is yet. Um, so that was, that, that I just, that was a fail on my part. Um, it's a thing. I have to say, 
so I love I love seeing Saladin on on Miles, but obviously I, I love Miles and and um, would love to do um, something more with him beyond what we're doing with this one off. And I also will say X twenty three would be really really cool for me. I'm really into just like. Yeah, girls with feels, I guess. <laughs> um, and, um, or just like any, any X-Men would be amazing, I think would probably, yeah, I'm just going to say that because I'm now failing at being concise. I would say any, any X-Men of the past or future. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Here, come get your pin. We, I think we have time for one more question. Hello, what's your name? Hi, my name is Margie. Um, it's not really a question. I just wanted to thank all of you. Um, I didn't think I was going to get emotional. Okay. Uh, I'm part of a women's comics group here in the city. We meet at Challengers Comics. Um, but um, we're just a bunch of nerdy women who love comics, and we, we meet up, and now I've got, like, an awesome new group of friends that I never thought I'd have, all because of comics. And it just means a lot to us when we see these comics that are written um, by people who are like us, is to see women and women of color and queer women writing comics um, for us. Um, so it just means a lot. I just wanted to thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think that's the end of our panel. Um, I want to thank everyone. That was the best way to end the panel. I want to thank everyone for coming out. You guys always treat us so well. Thank you so much, Chicago. This is Marvel, your universe. Thank you.